Welcome to The Real Journey Show. On this podcast, you can expect guests of all backgrounds and professions to share a real journey they have experienced in this thing called life. From origin to current, the rocky ups and downs in the middle, and what is yet to come. The journeys of each guest will vary, but there is one thing that will remain constant. The listeners will be reminded that life experiences have a compelling way of connecting us, inspiring us, and empowering us to stay real. I am Tara Martin, your host of The Real Journey Show. Welcome back to The Real Journey Show. We have a very special guest today, and I am super excited to have her on the show. She is not only a wonderful friend, mom, and co-founder of a Ron Clark Academy. She's also an author, keynote speaker. She's a teacher in the classroom. She literally does it all. And I am so excited that she donated her time to be on The Real Journey Show. So welcome, Kim Bearden. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Tara, for having me on. So yes, I, uh, I guess in my professional realm, I am the co-founder of the Ron Clark Academy with Ron Clark. I'm the executive director here, and I teach language arts each and every day, which is my true love. I am also a DBC author. I have my uh, second book with DBC coming out this June, which I'm excited about, and we can talk about that a little bit later. Uh, And I do travel and and I do professional development for educators. And I am a mom of four children. And so, yeah, I've got a lot of different uh, things going on. (laughs) And I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) And you deserve to be tired. Oh, my goodness. You are all over the place. And we are just so excited to have you on the show today. So, Kim, you know, with The Real Journey Show, we just love to hear from people that we may or may not know. Most of our listeners probably know who you are. But tell us a little bit about a real journey that you've gone through in your life from the start to step in the middle. And we'll stop along the way and chat about it to where you are now with this journey and where you hope to go in the future. I mean, that's what the show is all about. Well, definitely, there's been a lot of life's journeys that I've experienced. I'm 54 years old, and so the older you get, the more you, you've gone through, right? But I, I know that today, we're, you know, we're, a lot of educators are probably listening to this. And when educators come here and they see all the, the wonderful things that are happening at the Ron Clark Academy, you know, when educators pull me to the side, a lot of times the first question they have is, how do you do all of this? <laughs> do you have a family? Do you have kids? How do you juggle all of that? So I think maybe that would be a good place to start and talk because, um, as educators, you know, we, we strive for excellence. We want to be everything for our students in our classroom, but we also want to be everything for our families as well. And even if you're not a parent, you know, just your, your the other loved ones in your life outside of school, you know, how do you achieve that balance? And so I think maybe that would be a, a fitting topic for today's, uh, today's adventure. <laughs> I love it. I think it's perfect too. And especially as a woman as well. I mean, I know there are men out there who are parents too, and you experience something very similar. But I love that we might get to hear from a woman how you are managing being a leader, not only a leader, but actually founding a school. And you guys hold professional development at your school like every Friday, I think, or every other Friday. You have a lot and you travel and speak and you still are there present for your kids. So tell us a little bit about your family journey. So... uh, the, the Cliff Notes version of, you know, earlier in my life, I was married before uh, for many years to uh, a charming guy, but actually the the short story of it is, and, and I wrote the long story in my book that's coming up, so if you get curious, you can learn more about it, but um, actually I was, you know, severely betrayed. He um, actually had several women that he had um, uh, been with and while during the course of our marriage, and when I found all of this, of course, I was devastated and 
there I found myself a single parent, um, broke, uh, trying to, you know, he disappeared. Basically, that he had all these different women, and then he had a child the same age as our child, and then the money disappeared, and then he disappeared. <laughs> and so here I am trying to walk into a classroom every day and be everything for those students, but then at night going home and trying to be everything for my own child. You know, my daughter Madison was a little girl in elementary school at the time. And, you know, I had to go on autopilot. I was just existing rather than living. And um, it was a really challenging, difficult time. But I think that, um, and then, you know, being a single parent, just juggling that with with working and trying to be everything to everybody. And if I had to like give you one word uh, to think about how I got through that, you know, for me personally, faith is important, but also the word grace. And when I say the word grace, I say I had to grant myself some grace. Um, I think as women, we, um, especially as women, and I know there may be some men listening to this, but it's good for them to hear this. Um, I think that we often operate under this illusion of perfectionism, that we have to be everything. Um, we have to be the perfect, you know, the perfect wife, the perfect mother. We have to be well put together. We have to look our best. We have to be ex- excel in our work environment. And the idea of, oh, well, women, we can have it all. I mean, if we listed all the things I'm doing, it does sound like, oh, she's got it all, but I don't have it all at once, ever. <laughs> yeah. um, and if you do have it all, really, should you? I mean, if you have it all, shouldn't you be giving some of it away? Like, <laughs> what is having it all? Um, exactly. Is having it all mean that your husband is perfect, your children are perfect, your house is perfect, your, you, you look perfect? What does that mean? And so I think that what I learned in that time is that I was doing the best I could and I had to give myself some grace and I had to grant myself some grace. And the other thing is that word balance, I think, um, I think we misunderstand that. I think that everything can't always be balanced at one time, but I, I think you've got to have priorities in different moments. You know, when you're home being that parent, if you are a parent, that's your priority or with your with loved ones, that's the priority in the moment. When you're at school, that's the priority of those kids in that classroom. Um, it's almost like we've got to have these different compartments of our life. And even though they're all intertwined, just understanding that um, at, at any given moment, if you can be fully present in that moment, then you're doing what you need to do. Okay. So, wow. First of all, I am so sorry that you had to go through that. But I am in awe of your strength. I I don't wish that for anyone, but I love the lessons that you brought out of this piece of your journey. And I'm so appreciative that you're willing to share it with us and the listeners of this podcast, because I think all of us can gain some lessons learned from this journey. I think for our listeners, just to think about the three things that she really just brought out. First of all, she felt abandoned. I think there's a lot of times in life, it doesn't really matter what you're going through, that you feel betrayed or you feel abandoned, you feel slighted and as if you have been mistreated. And I think all of us has probably felt that in some area of our life before. And also this idea of wanting to be perfect. And I I struggle with this all the time. Like, And I think like you said, it's just something women do, but probably there are men out there that do this as well where we, we really just want to do everything perfect. But the piece that I really love that you just brought in and you lived this as a single mom is just being balanced in the moments because mm-hmm. maybe we can't be balanced in every moment and maybe we can't be balanced all the way across the board. But if we can find balance in moments, 
um, I, that's powerful. And that's something I've really never thought about. So I really appreciate you bringing that out because you were balanced in the moment of raising your kid when you were home. Then you were balanced in the moment of being there for your kids when you were at school. And I think that's something we can actually apply and do, you know, as humans, we can be balanced in the moment. That's cool. Thank you. It's, true. it's it's like so you know for example even I'm an administrator too and so what I and this is stuff I've learned from trial and error you know I've been an educator for 33 years and I've done a lot of things wrong but one of the things I've learned I you know I'll be in the middle of I'm I'm you know handling something I'm dealing with a situation I'm worried about a kid I'm I'm worried about my class I'm trying to grade papers and and somebody will walk in this room because as administrator I need to be accessible whether it's a child or or whether it's a teacher or whether it's a parent and I have learned that I've got to completely stop. And in that moment, I've got to direct every bit of attention on whatever that need is. Or if it's a child, Jim Bearden, can I talk to you? Yes. And I've had to learn, and it took me a while to put down the phone. I actually physically, for me, had to take the computer and turn it. Because just like you have your kids do as a classroom management strategy, you know, turn the computers the other way so you're listening to me. I almost feel like not only um, does it help me, but also it's symbolic to the person walking in that, okay, you've got my undivided attention. And actually, when you give somebody your undivided attention in that moment, um, then you actually are more efficient because it may not take as long to have the conversation, right? It's, it's something that you can, you know, it, it's interesting. Even um, our students, you know, we have students here. And we've been fortunate to travel around the world with our students and do amazing things. But one of our classes, when they graduated, we had them write down their favorite memories. And we thought, well, they've traveled, you know, they went to Australia. Surely it's going to Australia. Yeah. And these kids wrote down their favorite memories. And you know that 99% of them were, oh, I'll never forget the time I was sitting with um, Miss Bearden eating lunch. And we talked about this and we just laughed and laughed. Or it would be the simplest moment that really resonated the most. And so it's just moments and really learning to appreciate moments. And, and, you know, I'm big on social media, you're big on social media, but also I think sometimes we're so worried about posting that we're, we're more busy worried about posting the moment than actually experiencing the moment. And it's so true. So true. What a truth bomb for being present in the moment instead of worrying about posting it. And I think a lot of us probably can relate to that. Any of us that are connected educators, it feel like I'm that way too. I want to share this with the world. It's a really exciting moment. And then sometimes I miss enjoying the moment in the moment because I'm so busy trying to post it. And so right. I love that. nature to do, but yeah. It is. And you want to share it with the world because that's what we do. We share all these joy moments with the world that's happening for our students or for our learners. So I think that's just another thing we probably should just keep in mind. If we could just be balanced in the moment, we don't really have to balance our entire life. <laughs> we don't have to be balanced. Okay, in before we move on, I think you just said some key. You said our, we want to share our joy moments. And so the other thing I think is just being um, for our own personal well-being. And, and as you're going through life and you're trying to juggle everything, when you're scrolling through social media, it's very easy to feel less than. Um, you know, <laughs> and you have to remember that what you're seeing is a highlight reel. We're, we're seeing people's joy moments. We're not seeing the moment when they're on the closet floor crying, you know, we're seeing their joy moments. And so, and we should be happy and celebrate with them, but also understand that, um, that that's all you're seeing is a highlight reel complete with filters. And so we shouldn't feel like, oh, our life is, doesn't measure up to this other person's life, whether it be professionally or in our personal lives. It's so true. It's so true. I try in my stories, like IG stories, to kind of give a little more of that real moments, those real mm -hmm. moments. <laughs> but I agree with you. Uh, that's definitely a piece we need to think about when we're balancing our ourselves too. So you told us a little bit about um, your life starting out and what a journey that you had as a young mom 
And I'm so sorry that you had to go through that, but I know that you're a strong woman because of it. And so you told us a little bit about Madison, but we know that you're a mom of four. So tell us a little bit about more of that family journey. How did you become a mom of four? Well, it became very exciting, actually. So, uh, you know, after being a single mom and and going through that journey and and juggling everything and some of those things we just talked about, I was fortunate. You don't have to have a man to find happiness, but I did remarry. I went married a wonderful man um, named Scotty. And, and, and he has been just, he was a wonderful stepfather to my daughter. Matter of fact, she calls him her dad and they're very, very close. Um, but it kind of intersects with my professional life here because at the Ron Clark Academy, uh, one of the things we want to do is we want to expose our children to, we want them to be global leaders and global citizens. Now, not all, but many of our students, the majority come from low wealth situations and any child, no matter what their background, the more you can expose them to the world, the better. And so one of the, uh, most of the students at our school are African-American. And so the culminating experience for our eighth graders is that they go on a trip each year to Soweto, South Africa. As a matter of fact, our eighth graders are there right now. And I'm usually with them, but I've gotten to go 13 times. So we let some of the other staff who really wanted to be able to have the experience go this time. But um, our students, they work throughout the course of the year raising funds to give back to schools and orphanages all throughout South Africa. And they work there when they're there. And it's a beautiful beautiful partnership. And so on one of my journeys there, um, I met three little boys, Sisipo, Sabello, and Pakamani. Um, Soweto, for those people that don't know, there's a tremendous amount of poverty there, is the remnants of apartheid to this day. Um, during apartheid, people of color were forced to live in these townships where there was no infrastructure, no resources, um, anything. And so to this day, even though apartheid ended in 1994, which if you think about it, it's not that long ago, um, but the, to this day, there's still the vast majority of people still live in poverty. And Soweto is an area that's named for what was once the Southwest Townships. Most people have heard of Soweto as because Nelson Mandela was there. You can visit Archbishop Desmond Tutu. I mean, they're some of the most phenomenal humans on the planet that <laughs> come from Soweto. But the, uh, the schools there are still in abject poverty. There's about 1.5 million people there. They live in shacks. They have limited food. It's, it's, it's really very upsetting. So when I was there, wherever we would go, these three little boys would follow us. And, um, interact with us. But the initial meeting, actually, one of my students, Ryan Marshall, just made this instant connection with my son, Sisipo, at one of the schools. And they were interacting, they were rapping together, they were playing. And that's how I met my son, Sisipo. And then subsequently, I met his best friend, Sabello, and his cousin, Akamani. And there was just something about these little boys. Whenever we would go, they would bring, like, they wanted people to help them learn math. They were like, can you teach me math? Now, at the time, you know, they were eight, nine years old, but they were so desperate for knowledge that they weren't able to receive. And so we would sit there and help them with things. And this launched this idea. I thought, well, what if we got them to come to the Ron Clark Academy? Like, what if we hosted them and they could be our students here? And then I went through this whole, <laughs> it would take days to explain the whole rigmarole. It was very, very detailed, but went through a whole process to get our school certified to bring the boys here on visas. And once they arrived, um, because of the situations they had been in, um, immediately, you know, we realized they were going to have to go back, but their parents relinquished the rights to them when they sent them here. Um, and it's not because their parents are bad people. They're beautiful people, but um, they were unable to take care of them like they needed to be able to. And so as a result, um, I was able to adopt all three of them. And so I adopted them at age 12. Um, they joined our family and now they're all 18. Um, and when they came, it was, it was a lot of work. They entered RCA as seventh grade students. Um, and imagine when, you know, they came here, uh, they could not add, they could not multiply, Sisipo could not read. They speak five languages fluently, uh, Zulu, Kosa, Sutu, Afrikaans, and English, but they couldn't uh, write or read or write in, in any language fluently. 
And so um, the teachers at this school, when people ever doubt like educators, what they can do, the way they poured into my sons, it was magnificent. And then my husband, Scotty and I, we'd go home every night for like five, six hours until we all fell asleep at that, at that kitchen table, um, working on getting them caught up. And so now they're all 18, they're honor students, they're all uh, applying to different colleges. And so it's been this beautiful journey, been filled with struggles and challenges and beauty um, and a lot of lessons along the way, because you know, here I'm this, you know, 54 year old white woman from suburbia <laughs> and I have three African sons. And so learning, you know, just, I'm fortunate because I'm surrounded here by the school of many people of color who have actually helped me pour into my sons, you know, to give me wisdom and insight in how to, you know, find words and how to understand things because, um, it, you know, I have had, I've always taught students or for a lot of my career, I've taught students who are different than I am, but really understanding even privilege and understanding um, trauma and understanding um, just how to raise my sons and do it in a way um, I've had to rely on the people who I've surrounded myself with to really help me pour into them to get them to the point where they are now, but they're, they're magnificent boys. Oh my goodness. That is such a cool journey. So you took the kids to like, and you take the, you guys take the kids to South Africa every year to, yes. to learn more about culture and also to appreciate what we have in America. I'm sure I've never been there, but that sounds incredible. And, and then these little boys just followed you guys around. And then you, and then you, I love that. I'm sure this part of the story was left out, but it was probably a lot of work to get them to come here and be a part of your school. I mean, that sounds like a lot of paperwork, a lot of, you know, how to, like, I want to know more about that, too. If I had, you know, it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of things in my life where if I had known how hard they would be, I don't know if I would have been brave enough, not that I wouldn't want to do it. Like starting the Runkart Academy, I don't know if I had known how hard it would be. I'd have been brave enough, but thank goodness I did it because it's like my greatest professional, you know, my purpose as a professional. Um, with the boys, I didn't realize how complicated it would be either. Um, but once they got here, um, the, the adoption process, I, I was able to find, you know, I was fortunate. I was able to find a good attorney who worked with me, you know, to finalize their adoptions. They got here. I had guardianship of them, but then once I got here, I was finalized their adoptions. The biggest challenge has been, um, because of all, and I'm not trying to be political, but because of all of the changes with immigration and all the challenges we have in this country with immigration, um, getting their citizenship has been this tremendously difficult journey. And I don't even know if you know this part, Tara, or not, but um, so it's been years. You can't get citizenship until you've been um, here for two years, which I, I can respect that. But so what we had to provide was proof that my sons, that the, the familial relationship, the familial bond was authentic. It wasn't just that I'm some lady in America trying to get some South African kids to be able to come to the United States. Um, and the, that my love for them was like, a, you know, we were like a parent-child relationship. So I had to have year, years of every penny we'd spent on them to show that I was their primary caregiver. Um, letters of, of tons of like 50, 60 letters from people who've been around us and seen the familiar bond. Uh, letters from teachers to show that we are, you know, parenting them there. Letters from coaches, letters from church, letters from everybody who's been involved in our life to show that, oh, this is a real family. And of course we are. And so that's how we were able to get the adoption finalized. Well, then the next step is that you get a green card. And so we had to reapply all these things. And, um, and that's a big thing because then they are legally, you know, permanent legal residents of the United States. Um, last November, not, not just a couple months ago, but, you know, the year before, I got a letter in the mail. I got three letters in the mail, one for all three of them. And it said that I had failed to prove that their birth parents actually resided in South Africa. And I had 30 days to prove that, in fact, their birth parents lived in South Africa. 
And that sounds like, okay, we'll just prove it. But their parents were living in, one of them was living in a shanty town at the other side in, in Cape Town. Uh, you know, they don't have addresses. They don't necessarily have jobs. Their, their internet is faulty. They don't always have a phone. They have, there's no way to even contact. Like to do all of that sounds very simple, but it usually would take months. Uh, for example, my one son, um, one of my sons, his father was unknown. And so I had to post things from months in newspapers in South Africa to prove that we could not locate a father so that I could legally adopt him. And, and so things like that. And so, um, I had 30 days. And so we went to the attorney and I said, I've got 30 days to prove this. What do I do? And she said, well, this is going to be tough. I don't know what we're going to do. And I said, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get on a plane and go to South Africa. And, and she said, you're going to go. And I said, yes, I got to go find it myself. I, I got to go find it. And so, um, in December, like a week within a week, I got on a plane and my husband's had to stay here with the boys cause I couldn't leave the country legally at this point. And, um, I got, my brother actually came with me, even though I was determined, I was like, I'll go by myself. And my brother was determined. Um, and from sun up till midnight every day, I went all throughout South Africa and I got proof and I got everything from, uh, every, I got affidavits, any person I could find on the street. Did you know the P way? Is he here? Do you know the, where he lives? You know, and I was getting people to sign these affidavits. I got church, uh, minutes from meetings. I got birth records from their siblings. I got, um, I just hundreds literally of documents. Um, I went to the places where they live. I took pictures, you know, it was different places because they don't have receipts for payments for things because they were kind of living in different places and in garages and things like that. And, um, but it was absolutely, um, I would say, divine, uh, the way I was able to get information. Uh, I met my son Pakamani's mother for the first time on that journey, and um, she was living in the shanty town of, of Cape Town. But she had taken all these different um, courses over the years to try to find employment, like everything from machinery cleaning to filing. You know, there's these little courses you could take. And she was very proud of them. And so she had saved all these certificates of all the courses. And so we were able to go and get those notarized. And um, in South Africa, you can get an affidavit at a police station and you, police stations are open 24 hours a day. So I was literally going to different police stations all over Soweto at like all hours of the day and night. Um, I had a driver that I hired to, to take care of me the whole time and um, to take me everywhere. And he was wonderful. And, um, and, you know, of course, he spoke all the languages. And so that was helpful, too. And so I came back and submitted that. And then in uh, so we got within 30 days, we submitted all that. And that was in December. And in February, we got their green cards, which was the most exciting, beautiful day ever. And then the postscript of that, which is even really exciting, is that a week ago, I found out my sons have been granted citizenship. And so, oh. so isn't that exciting? So I am I'm like fighting yeah. tears right now. You? March 13th, they will be sworn in as United States citizens. And, uh, and for people to think, oh, you ripped them from their homeland. I want them to understand that the, the, the respect and the love that we have for South Africa is profound. And, and my sons one day want to go back to help the people that they, they, they just want. They're so grateful to have the opportunities they have here. And, and we are our family here. But they want to make sure that they help people who do not have the opportunities that they had. Um, and so it's very beautiful. And I was able, once I got the green cards, I was able to take them back to visit um, and just to go back to their, to the, you know, the land of their birth and spend some time there. So that's a long story, isn't it? I'm sorry, but that's, I, that's no. the quick version. There's so much that more to it. Beautiful but. story. Like, I don't even know where to start um, except for just, I like fighting back tears right now, honestly. Um, just the mom's love, really. I mean, it just goes back to the heart of a teacher. It's, it's so huge. I mean, because that's where it started. All of this started from you having just a big heart for kids and wanting to do more for 
students, but not only students, kids out there in need. And that's why you're bringing your students out there to be able to see and to give back. And I love that you, as with anything that you do, you don't stop. Like you don't stop at halfway and you won't stop until you get what you think that those students, that those kids deserve. And I just appreciate you on just a million different levels, but these babies having this opportunity and they are so beautiful, like listening to them tell their journey. I've had the honor of listening to them in real life. And then also on camera with this latest video you guys posted. It's so, it's so, it's just divine, like you said. And it, it didn't come as with anything. Nothing comes easy. And I love that you mentioned, um, you know, if we knew all the things that would take place when we take this leap or we cannonball in on something, we, mm-hmm. we likely wouldn't be brave enough to continue it. It would scare us, you know, to like, oh gosh, there's no way I would be able to go there by my, you know, by myself or with my brother even. That's still equally as scary. And find all this paperwork and make all, like if you knew all the little tiny pieces of that journey, you know, it would feel like, oh wow, I want to do that. Like it wouldn't change your desire to do it, but it would feel overwhelming like you might not be able to. But I think that's the beauty of, the real journey is that we don't get to see all the details until we experience them. But then mm-hmm. our, our strength is grown just by, I mean, all together, Ken, like your story from starting as a mom and a wife and then being abandoned and no telling the amount of strength that you gained during that process. Like mm-hmm. I can't even imagine. And then I'm wondering you know, just as life would have it, if that strength just helped you to like, in this situation, you're like, I'm fearless. Like I am going to do whatever I can for these kids because they mean that much to me. And I just, I'm just so excited of where this journey has landed and they, they now have their citizenship. And so, wow, like what's next? I mean, what do you think's next for, (laughs) I mean, it's just so cool, right? I mean, we can't really predict the future, but what are your what are you thinking is next for this wonderful family? Well, I will say before I tell you that I, I do want people members listening to this and, and anybody is in a dark place or or overwhelmed place. You know, this is I've given you you got to hear the happily ever after, right? And the wonderful outcome. But um I, I don't want anybody to think, well, you know, she, well, look at it, it happened for her, but I'm in the midst of, of trauma and it was easy for her. It was not. Even when I was on that journey there and I was trying to find out paperwork, I would literally collapse in bed at midnight. And some, a couple of nights I sobbed myself to sleep just because I was like, what if I don't do it well enough? What if I don't get it done? What if it doesn't happen? What if my boys have to be deported? I mean, all of those things. I mean, I can't even explain to you, you know, how that, that was overwhelming, but I guess if you are in that spot, one of the things that always helps is think about things in your life that did work out mm-hmm. that at the time they were so dark and you didn't see a way out. But then after time came through, you're able to look back and go, Oh, okay, look at how that worked out. Or, I mean, even though I don't would I'd never want to relive the trauma that I went through um, in my first marriage, I actually am finally at the point where I'm actually grateful that happened to me because I think I'm a better human being because of it, because of my compassion for people, my understanding, my, my patience when people, you know, all those different things, it gave me so much more insight into pain. Um, so when I am in dealing with somebody else with pain, I feel like I'm, I'm better equipped to help them through that pain. So there's, 
great things sometimes, you know, it's like we can never fully experience true joy, I think, unless we've had sorrow. Okay. And I don't know if we can ever truly embrace strength if we've never had weakness. You know, it's those those opposites in life, you know, it's the extremes that help us to be able to propel ourselves forward. And so with my sons, um, you know, we're on the cusp of the next phase, yes, because they are um, applying to different colleges. And my daughter, Madison, by the way, she's 30 now. She's married. She is a, a, a brilliant hairdresser. She has her own salon, and she's extremely successful with that. Um, she would say a hair artist. Excuse me. She's a hair artist, and she, and she is an artist at that, at her craft. And my boys, um, you know, where they're going to go to college and what they're going to do, they're weighing all those options, just to even have those options. So what, what a blessing, what a tremendous blessing. But um, one of the things I try to teach my boys and, and for me too, even like in the depths of that darkness, the biggest thing I always have said is that there's a point to my life and I'm not it. <laughs> and I think, and I think when pain, we're just like, you know, it's, it's all, you, you get turned into yourself. But I think when you can put yourself out there and lift up other people and focus on other people, it actually pulls you up. And I think that's, that's an important piece. I mean, I know that we're real big on this whole word self-care, but I really actually prefer the word soul care. Um, self-care, you know, you know, self-care does not mean, and I don't think anybody intends it, where you just go off for three weeks and you don't pay any attention to your, your, your loved ones or don't do anything. You stop doing things for other people. You still do things for other people, but you do have to take that time to refresh and invigorate yourself and, and care for your soul so that you're able to be strong and to be healthy and to, to do the things you need to do for others. And so, the more you're focusing, I think, on, on, on lifting up others, I think the happier we all are. I love it. Oh, my gosh. So my favorite, one of my favorite quotes that you just threw out that I've never heard before, so thank you for sharing that with all of us, is you said, so this is a Kim Bearden quote, guys, um, there's a point to my life and I'm not it. And I love that. I think so often we're trying to figure everything out, but a lot of times we put ourselves in the center of it. Mm-hmm. But if we change that focus and our center becomes serving others and being what we need to be for others. Yes. And I also love that you said soul care, because that's what it's really about. It's about getting yourself to a place where you can actually help others. You can fill others because your bucket is full. And so Right. Wow. Those- her name is Alicia Walker. I have to give her credit for the term soul care, but, and I don't know if she originated it or she got it somewhere else, but I love it. Right. Cause think about it, on an airplane, you know, they always say the plane goes down your instinct. You, you got to You got to put your oxygen mask on first to be able to help the child or, you know, whoever is besides. So you've got to take care of yourself. But the ultimate reason is so that we can be better for others. It's true. So true. And Oh man, this has been a fantastic journey. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, Thank you for sharing your heart, but also reminding us that when we lead from a place of passion and a place of internal, um, what would this even be called? I I really think it's just a place of passion is probably the best place to place of love for others. Then things tend to work out. And even if they don't always work out in the end, we grow from each of these experiences. And like you said, every single circumstance gives us new levels of, um, you said compassion. I feel like new levels of empathy, which means the same thing. When we get these new levels of empathy, we are able to better serve others. And we're also, we're also stronger ourselves to be able to handle different things because you know you've came out of that. You know, if I talk about in my little picture book, once you cannonball in once, so once you make that jump one time and you swim in the deep end and you come up, you're like, 
wow, I can do that. And so the next jump doesn't feel as scary because you know you're going to be able to swim. It might be a little tougher. You might be dealing with no internet, no phones, and have to go chase down these paperwork all over the place. But you know how to swim and you know how to take care of business because you know the, the purpose and the why you're doing it for these kids that you love so dearly. And so thank you. Wow. Your journey is just incredible, Kim. Starting a school, coming from all the things that you've endured in your lifetime and facing this, giving yourself grace at the onset, but also understanding that nothing comes easy and things that you love are worth fighting for. And Finding those balances in the moments. I love that lesson that you taught us too. And just reminding us that there's a point to our lives and we aren't necessarily it. Like (laughs) we have a bigger purpose out there. And so we have to take care of our souls so we can be that person for others. So those are my favorite lessons good from this like 35 minute conversation. But is there anything else you would like to leave with our listeners before we close out today? Um, well, if we're going to, since we're going to do the parenting thing, I will tell you that one of the thing I've, I've learned as parent is that um, I think that parents sometimes we're only, we allow our emotions to be dictated by our children. Like if our child is sad, I mean, of course we're sad because our child's sad, but if our child's angry, then we're upset. If our child's having a rough day, we're upset. And we just, we just wear their emotions. And you know, I learned once I had you know, three, three boys in the house at one time that I said on any given day, all three of them are going to all be on the same level. Right. And so I guess the lesson I would, I would try to give parents is that it's good for kids to experience heartache and it's good for them to experience um, difficulties and good for them to experience loss so that they understand as an adult how to handle it. And that the best thing we could do is instead of wearing their emotions or mirroring their emotions is that we have to be the calm in the storm. And so, you know, if your child is falling apart, if you fall apart too, well, then that's just perpetuating. It's not helping your child. If you're, if you're able to, you know, try to help them out of it. I think that that's um, a much healthier way to deal with it. And it's easier said than done. If you really have to close, you know, after you talk to them calmly, go in your closet, close the door and then have your little meltdown. But we, got, we can't let them see it because we have to be, I learned with my daughter when I was in so much pain that um, when, when I was, you know, single parent, all that stuff I was dealing with, I learned that if I kept showing and, and, and allowing myself to go to these places that I was just perpetuating pain for her. And I had to learn how to find my peace and my calm so that that could be, so that home could be a safe place. It could be a place where she could heal instead of it being a place where she was re-traumatized every day. I couldn't agree more, honestly, because you know, raising a teenager has not been easy. I only had one, so I hardly have the parent card compared to you. But, um, you know, raising a teenager is no joke. And there are moments in his life that I just want to melt down with him because yes, he made this choice, but now he's having to go through it and it just tears my heart out. But there have been so many of those types of moments where I've just, okay, I've got to be the strong person here because he's all And then we got to figure out a way to, to, to lift him up out of this. And usually, like you said, it's usually in my car when I'm away, (laughs) I'm just like melting down, pulling over on the side of the road and having my little meltdown. But I think that's true as parents. We, and, and also allowing them to experience those things. It's so hard. I mean, Caleb now in college making these decisions that I know aren't always the best decisions. And I know that he's learning from them. But it is so difficult to just like let go of control and not 
not helping us and protect them from every bad thing. Yes. And it doesn't work anyway, because they're going to do what they want to do anyway. So helping them after they've made the poor decision is really tough. But like you said, that's how we got stronger. It's how you got to be the woman that you are today and how you can handle so many things and also how you help other people. We're right now, listeners out there are probably thinking, okay, Kim Bearden has gone through all these things and she is standing strong. Like I can make it. I'm going to be stronger after this. And I think we, when we go through those things, we're able to empower others to be able to do that as well. Just like, it kind of reminds I don't know why I keep comparing this to my book and I'm not really trying to promote it because we're going to give away one of Kim's books. We're kindred spirits. You and I are kindred spirits. We do. Yeah. And so with Cannonball in, I mean, those little kids saw the, that girl, the little girl, the main character jump and they were inspired to go jump. And I think that's what we do. We, we go through these things, we share our journey. So others will be inspired to continue on their journey because they're also having this ripple effect where other people are watching in and they're watching them overcome. And they're like, okay, if they can do it, then we can do it. And our kids are constantly watching us do that. Our students. Well, I don't know. The listeners probably wouldn't know this, but I, I think our books came out with like maybe three weeks of each other. Your book came out, what, maybe just a three, two or three weeks, be real, came out. And so I, I wanted to buy it. I said, like, I got to buy this book because I love the title of it. And the whole time I was reading, I was like, yes, who is this girl? Oh my gosh. Like, oh, I, I want to be your best friend. And and it was so great because then you read my book and you were, you were so kind about the words you said. And, and even though we say things differently, um, I felt like there's so many parallels with the way that we see life and the way that we view life and authenticity and the importance of, you know, helping others and being real and things like that. So I know that's why we became fast friends. So (laughs) like when we and I met you, it was immediate. I'm like, okay, this is like my soul sister. Like we're just sisters from another mister. Right. Um, So yes. So awesome. And thank you for sharing today. I just really appreciate your time, but not only that, I appreciate you empowering other people to be able to continue this real life journey because every moment of our life is a journey. And if we, if we use it as a learning experience and we understand that there's a purpose bigger than us, then I think we can't go wrong. Like we're going to do well in life. And I can't wait to see what the boys decide, to, where they decide to go to college, what they decide to do. And hopefully we can have you back on in a couple, in a while and kind of hear about more of that journey, out, right? where they're going now, because that is such an incredible opportunity that you've given those students. And I, I and those babies, they're your babies. Um, I love that they want to go back and share that with that message with their, their people as well in South Africa. So. It's just so amazing. You've passed that on to them as well. So our listeners might be wanting to get in contact with you. How might they do that? If they want to follow more of your journey, what are yes. ways that they can um, connect with you? So several things. First of all, on social media, I after we talked about social media, I do use social media, but I just try to use it with balance. But uh, I do post a lot of lesson ideas and things as well as my personal life and my journey. Um, I'm at Kim Bearden everywhere. Uh, Bearden is spelled B like bear, E-A-R-D-E-N. So at Kim Bearden. And then also, um, excitingly, I, you know, I, I did write a couple of books with, with um, Dave Burgess Publishing. I had uh, Talk to Me, uh, which is a book about finding the right words to inspire, encourage, and get things done. And, and it's been used by a lot of schools and embraced by them because it's how do you have conversations? How do you have those difficult conversations? It's been used as a lot from a lot of schools from book study purpose, but it really tells us how to communicate with people who are different than we are, who are seeing the world differently than we do. 
But I'm really excited because my next book, um, we're hoping for uh, early June release. I don't have the exact release date, but if you follow me on social media, that'll be coming out. But um, it's called Fight Song. And it's six steps to passion, power, peace, and purpose. So if you want to know more of the inside skinny on some of the stuff I told you about my uh, personal life, it's in there. But it's not just like a memoir. It's also got tools. So this happened to me. But what did I learn about it? How can you take that lessons that I have gone through to use them to make you empowered, to be able to get up on those difficult days when you want to stay in bed and you don't want to go into work, not because you don't love kids, but just because life has beaten you down. Um, how do you dig deep? How do you find that inner strength to go through things and emerge stronger than before? And so that's what the book is about. And so I'm very excited about it. It's definitely my most personal uh, piece of writing that I've ever done in my life. But um, I'm at the point where I feel like the more um, by doing that, maybe I can make purpose out of even some of the things I've never shared with people before so that it can empower and help them. I am so excited. So we are just thrilled about your new book, Fight Song. We love Talk To Me. Talk To Me is actually, just for my listeners, it's one of my favorite books. Those Mm -hmm. strategies in there are applicable to any human who has a voice. Like if you're a human out there and you have a voice, then you can use Talk To Me. Or even if you speak in sign language, you can still use Talk To Me. The strategies are fantastic and they work for all, for communicating with anyone, your family, your strangers, uh, your students, anybody that you want to talk to and be a better communicator. Talk to me is the the book for you. And so no matter your role, that is a great book. But Fight Song, I am so excited to for DVC Inc. I'm just going to switch over to my other role to publish this book. I just can't wait for people to get their hands on it and be able to learn more about your journey. We got a little glimpse today, but that book is just going to change the world. I really do believe that. And I'm super excited about publishing it. So for you listeners, we are going to be giving away a book talk to me to anyone who posts some of their favorite pieces of this podcast. And you can just share them in the comments below on Twitter or anywhere where we post this podcast. And if you share, then your name will be entered for the drawing. And then I, if, um, I will contact you and get your information to be able to mail that book over to you so you can experience Talk to Me and Fight Song will be out soon. So you guys got to keep your eye out. Thank (laughs) you so much. Anything else, Kim? No, I'm just excited to talk to you. Oh, I guess I should say this because it's important. And if any of you do want to know about the professional development we do at the Ron Kirk Academy, it's actually a very unique experience here because you actually sit in our classes, watch us teach, in addition to attending, uh, uh, getting workshop professional development as well. So you can learn more about that at ronkirkacademy.com. We have uh, days throughout the summer. We have days all throughout the school year. And I hope to see some of you come and visit us. And we have a new beautiful facility where our, our, our current facility is being expanded and we're opening that up and um, and so we can accommodate even more educators. So ronclarkacademy.com, you can learn more about that. And I am slide certified, so I can tell you are. <laughs> incredible. Uh, thank you so much, Kim, for being on the Real Talk Journey show. We appreciate you sharing your ability to be relatable, expose a little vulnerability, approachable, and sharing your lessons learned through life. We just are so grateful for your time and Thank you so much for joining The Real Journey Show. Hope to see you back soon. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining The Real Journey Show. We are excited you tuned in today and hope that you have left feeling inspired and empowered to stay real and share your real journey with others. 
Remember, real, it's all about being relatable, exposing a little vulnerability, approachable, and learning through life. You can connect with me on Twitter at TaraMartinEDU or visit my website, TaraMMartin.com. Please use the hashtag RealJourneyShow to share your thoughts of today's episode. Tune in next week, The Real Journey Show.